Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at wcbn.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and rebound comes to Hunwick. Six minutes remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingual spray dog. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets. Swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingwals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Guilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Well, uh, good evening, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And our companion, Jim Dwyer, is enjoying himself over in Europe. I don't know whether he's in uh, Germany still, but he was headed towards good old Liverpool to check out the Beatles Museum and that sort of thing. So I'm sure he's relieved (laughs) to be away from the final 15 days of this absolutely bizarre presidential election. We're done with the debates, thank goodness. And uh, I think that uh, it's quite clear from the uh, debates themselves that Trump simply never was up to snuff on policy. The debates for me were exceedingly disappointing in terms of the lack of subject matter covered. Uh, Unfortunately, they kind of regurgitated a lot of the same things in too many of the debates and did not ask enough questions that I would have liked to have seen asked. For instance, Donald Trump wants to build a wall at the border of the United States and Mexico. Where would he get the sand? We'll come to that in a second. Yes, the world is running out of construction sand, thanks to China. Would have liked to have heard some uh, discussions about water, fresh, clean water. To paraphrase W.H. Auden, many have lived without love. Nobody has lived without water. 
America has a clean water crisis that's developing. We have drought. We have too much water in some places. We have rising sea levels in some of our coastal cities. Norfolk and Miami, Florida are sinking into the ocean. And would have liked to have heard some stuff about that. No questions about budget priorities. Absolutely inexcusable. Instead, we get more nonsense about tax cuts and Donald Trump's absolutely preposterous claim that his tax cuts will lead to 4% economic growth or even higher. Believe me, he said. Well, that claim is pure nonsense. Nothing about state pension solvency in a number of states. In fact, there are a couple of major states in this uh, presidential election that have state pension solvency problems. Uh, and the federal government, unfortunately, is on the hook at the end of the day for some of those problems, perhaps. Medicare solvency, what about that? Nothing about it. We didn't hear anything about the Puerto Rican debt crisis. Puerto Rico, of course, part of the American tradition of imperialism, part of the immigration issue. But we heard nothing about the Puerto Rican debt crisis, and Puerto Ricans are coming into America <laughs> uh, because of the economic problems in Puerto Rico. Would have liked to have heard some questions about the future of work. What's work going to look like in 20 years in the United States? Oligopolism. Uh, we saw some of that in the past week. Uh, it's quite interesting to me that it looked from the way the polls are starting to move in Hillary Clinton's direction that uh, many corporations decided, well, the economy is not going to collapse. Let's start merging. So we had a bunch of merger announcements of all things just in the past week. I'm not going to talk about that tonight because obviously a merger like AT&T and uh, Time Warner uh, will be uh, scrutinized by regulators. How about human population and human migration problems? The United Nations reported earlier this year that there are 65 million refugees in the world currently because of wars, primarily in the Middle East. That America is heavily involved in, you would only think that America has some sort of role to play in Syria, but uh, there are wars raging in Yemen, civil wars in Syria, obviously, and uh, fascinating that a offensive by the Iraqi government uh, just commenced in Mosul uh, over the past week. Would have liked to have heard something about the role of Congress and the obstructionism that's been going on. Uh, there are many pundits that call this a election about change. There's been no change. I think two incumbents were defeated in the primaries uh, that we had the past six or seven months. Looks like a couple of incumbents may be vulnerable in the Senate. The House, the Democrats may pick up. 15 or 20 seats in the House, probably at most. But it could be possibly even a landslide victory. Who knows? Trump is uh, cratering uh, in the polls for a variety of reasons. 
It's interesting that even this last debate turned out to be the third most watched debate in American history, the first debate being the number one most watched debate in history. I believe the Romney-Obama first debate was the second most watched. Hillary, I thought, won these debates uh, quite clearly in every instance because Trump was unprepared. He was rambling. He was interrupting. He was demonstrating his absolutely ridiculous personality. And yes, he lacked stamina. He faded in every single debate after about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and maybe his best performance. But uh, Donald Trump's problems are so numerous, I don't think he's going to recover. Uh, the issue that the media was talking about for most of the year uh, regarded the likability of Hillary Clinton and the trustworthiness of Hillary Clinton. But I think what's emerged in the past couple of months is the detestability of Donald Trump. And the man can't stop tweeting. And at the, this point, as you can see coming down the stretch, because we're into this ground game, organization game that Hillary Clinton probably has advantages on, and by golly, she even has a financial advantage. Uh, Trump has offended so many people so many times that, to uh, make a long story short, he doesn't have many friends. His only major surrogate at this point seems to be Rudy Giuliani. And, of course, Chris Christie, but Chris Christie is enmeshed in a political scandal of his own in New Jersey. And his approval ratings in New Jersey are in the 20s. One interesting uh, essay that I read earlier this summer uh, is by the historian Ellen Fitzpatrick, a professor of history at the New University of New Hampshire. She sometimes appears on PBS as part of a historian panel uh, when they talk about the history American history related to the presidency and that sort of thing. But on the 29th of September, after the Republic, after the Democratic Convention, she made a couple of interesting observations about Hillary Clinton, talking about, and I'll just read a couple of brief paragraphs here. She wrote, one of the most powerful ironies in a political season full of perversities is the paradox that now defines Hillary Clinton's campaign, the first female presidential candidate to overcome the obstacles that sank every other single woman before her now confronts criticism for overcoming those very same difficulties. Let's start with money. Women have been pushed aside for a long time for not having enough money to run a presidential campaign in 1987, Representative Patricia Schroeder of Colorado concluded in her brief presidential campaign, concluded her brief presidential uh, campaign by admitting, quote, the bottom line is the money isn't there. Uh, she then mentions uh, the downfall of Elizabeth Dole, uh, who ran for the Republican presidential uh, nomination in 2000. She was one of the candidates uh, running against W. 
And when she bowed out of the race, she said um, the presidential race is, quote, shaped by money in the bank and ads on the airwaves. And as she put it, that could not be combated with inadequate funding. Hillary Clinton, of course, has had no problems raising money and has come under a lot of criticism from a variety of quarters about this very fact. But let's remember that Citizens United, the famous Supreme Court case that was determined 5-4, to four, voted 5-4, to four, was Citizens United versus Hillary Clinton. Let's also remember another myth that was promoted this week by Donald Trump and his uh, supporters within the Republican Party about Al Gore and the 2000 election. Al Gore did not uh, contest the results of the election. Al Gore was entitled by law, by Florida state law, for a recount. That is because the margin of victory on the night of the election was within such a narrow range that, Al, that a recount was required by Florida law. So it wasn't a question of Al Gore not conceding the race or not accepting the results. Bush v. Gore was decided 5-4 to four by the Supreme Court, ironically by the same five justices that voted. Uh, similarly, I should say, sim the similar justices, because that was still the Rehnquist Court back in 2000. That was a 5-4 to four decision, and they ended the Florida recount that Al Gore was actually entitled to under state law. So there's been some historical revisionism about Al Gore in the 2000 election. Um, the facts are the Supreme Court of the United States, which, of course, is the final arbiter. Oh, and by the way, the Republicans have refused to hear uh, the nomination of Mr. Garland. That question, by the way, was not asked in one of the debates, whether that this is a proper role of, quote, advice and consent of the U.S. Senate. I would argue that this sort of obstructionism is not. And if you go back and you check the final uh, session of the last Supreme Court, you will discover that uh, Mitch McConnell got a few wins out of the 4-4 ties and got a few losses. Because if you have 4-4 ties in the Supreme Court, the lower court ruling prevails. And when you have conflicting rulings around the country, you have a lot of confusion about what the law actually is in many areas of public policy. And I think that's inexcusable. I think that uh, there's a reason that we have nine members of the Supreme Court. Now, numbers are a very interesting game to play at this point. Most of the pundits are pretty much claiming that Clinton has this thing wrapped up and that uh, Trump's uh, chances of winning this election are pretty slim. Uh, due to the fact that she's opened up double-digit leads in a number of states that Trump simply has to win if he has any chance of winning the nomination. But let's remember that Florida, North Carolina, and Ohio are all going to be very close, uh, regardless of what the polls say. Ohio, in fact, is always close. It's never a blowout in Ohio, uh, unless it's, there's a national landslide of some sort. And this is not the kind of year that looks like a national landslide. 
uh, simply because of the role of the third-party candidates and the unpredictability of determining how many votes uh, Gary Johnson will get. I don't think Joel Stein is going to be much of a factor in any of these state races. But I wanted to appreciate, just for a second, the number 60. (laughs) Uh, I've always been uh, fascinated by the number 60 uh, because it's uh, on our clocks. We have 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. 60 is a fascinating number because 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, those numbers are evenly divisible into 60. And even the number 8 divided into 60 creates the number 7.5. So you get an idea of what the percentages really are in this race, in my opinion, at this point. I would argue that if you look at the numbers, that Hillary Clinton is at 29 out of 60. She's not quite to 50%, but she's in that 28 to 29 number, whereas Trump is more like 24. That leaves six votes remaining. And I would argue that Jill Stein will be lucky to even get to one. If you do the percentages, what we're talking about here, um, she got one out of 30 votes. Uh, which I don't think she's going to do that well because in the last, uh, R- Ralph Nader um, didn't even do that well in 2000. Uh, he got about 2.7% of the vote. Um, so I would argue that Jill Stein is basically less than one, and I think Gary Johnson might pull a two out of the remaining six votes that I just discussed. That leaves the number three, and that number there is is what's up for grabs still. That doesn't leave Donald Trump enough math, really, to catch up. And we have an interesting situation, for instance, in the state of Utah. Polls are showing that Evan McMullen, I think his first name is Evan, but his last name is McMullen, who's running as an uh, alternative Republican, may actually throw Utah the Electoral College, to uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, You know, we heard a lot of mythology over the past week about the 1960 election and how it was stolen. Uh, Donald Trump uh, has started using the word rigged repeatedly, uh, borrowed from Bernie Sanders, who used that word a lot during the primary campaign against Hillary Clinton. Uh... That word, by the way, was borrowed from a statement that Barack Obama actually made at one point in one of his states of the union. Rig, of course, has got a kind of an interesting double entendre. You know, there are there's rigging with sails. There's uh, the rig that you might drive on the road, the old 18-wheeler truck. Um And, of course, many people in America believe that the system is rigged. It's sort of a general concept, and in some cases it is rigged. It's fascinating that one of the questions in the debate that the media pounced on after the debate uh, regarded uh, Donald Trump's unwillingness to, quote, accept the results. Donald Trump said the next day that he would accept the results, provided he won. (laughs) and uh, then they started talking about Al Gore in the 2000 election, and they got all of that wrong. Bush v. Gore was the lawsuit. It was George Bush's political allies, 
that wanted to stop the recount in Florida. A recount that by Florida state law, Al Gore was entitled to. It was required by Florida state law, just for the record. It was the Supreme Court that intervened to stop the recount. Al Gore, of course, did concede the election eventually, even though he won the popular vote. And, of course, the discussions about rigging elections and all of that sort of thing uh, in and of itself is somewhat misleading because the real rigging that's been going on for years is the Electoral College itself. It's the system we have. And uh, throughout most of American history, it's actually benefited the Republican Party. Uh, the Republican Party even still benefits from the Electoral College, if you want to get technical about it, because Wyoming, for instance, the smallest of the 50 states, uh, has uh, 68 times the voting power in the Electoral College that California does, the largest state. Um, that's because the Electoral College is determined by the number of senators plus the number of House of Representatives, so all states have a minimum of three electoral votes. Hence this red state-blue state divide that continues. These elections, unfortunately, are being determined by six or seven states. Trump pretty much has to win them all to get the presidency, and he might not win any of them. He has a, quote, slight lead in Iowa, which is kind of surprising because that's been a blue state dating back to 1988. And Ohio, of course, is considered too close to call. And it will be too close to call probably on election night. But if Florida and Pennsylvania uh, go into the Hillary Clinton column early in the evening, because it looks like Kane and the demographic changes in Virginia have made Virginia not a toss-up state anymore, but pretty much a blue state, North Carolina being another toss-up state, it's kind of unfortunate that these presidential races now are coming down to Ohio, North Carolina, Florida, Iowa, and Nevada, maybe Arizona. The next couple of weeks will be interesting to see where the Democrats spend money on these congressional races, on the get-out-the-vote movement. Donald Trump has no surrogates. Nobody will be, no respectable Republican elected at this point will even appear on stage with him unless they represent the reddest of the red kind of states. And even in some of those states, Donald Trump is toxic. He's not a hot mess. He's a toxic hot mess. And to quote a famous historian, and I'm going to paraphrase uh, David McCullough here. I think at one point during the campaign, he was discussing why Trump had to be stopped. He called him a monstrous clown. Well, he is a monstrous clown. That's been proven over and over and over. And Trump's uh, insults and campaign of fear, loathing, and hatred uh, has backfired. And it, I personally think, and I'm not... A, ashamed to denounce Trump. I've done it for weeks on end, and I'll continue to do it. I want Donald Trump to disappear. <laughs> I want him to become the ghost that goes away. I don't want to hear about lawsuits that Donald Trump is going to fire 
fire up after the election, uh, either contesting elections or election results in certain states if he's decisively defeated, uh, because I think that the voter fraud myth is a myth. Uh, it's been documented that there have been 31 documented cases of voter fraud based on a billion votes cast. There isn't any problem with voter fraud. It takes me a half hour to vote here in Ann Arbor. You know, I got to walk uh, 20 minutes to get to the polls. Uh, the idea that I would go try and vote again is ridiculous. It's very, very difficult to vote in the United States. And the voter fraud that's ever been occurring in American history is probably in the absentee ballot realm of voter fraud. Donald Trump, of course, appeared in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania over the weekend. And instead of talking about maybe the Gettysburg Address, his version of the Gettysburg Address was a vow to sue uh, the women that have accused him of impropriety. And then, of course, he launched into a stump speech. Unfortunately, Donald Trump didn't read Abraham Lincoln's inaugural or Gettysburg Address, a text, by the way, that uh, Abraham Lincoln wrote on the back of an envelope while on a train going from Washington to Gettysburg that ends with the exceedingly memorable lines of charity for all, malice towards none. I think it's the other way around. Malice towards none, charity for all. This was a commemoration of the sacrifice that occurred in Gettysburg. And it was a suggestion by our one of our greatest presidents, without a doubt, Abraham Lincoln, that the Civil War was going to require reconciliation. That there had to be a concept of malice towards none, charity, for all. This, by the way, why Abraham Lincoln was one of our greatest presidents and why I think America is exceedingly fortunate that Donald Trump probably will not become president. I have no um, illusions about Hillary Clinton, um, but I do think that Hillary Clinton at least understands our system, understands how the American government is supposed to work. And Donald Trump has too many authoritarian tendencies. I don't call him a fascist, but I call him personality-wise completely unqualified to be president. He has exhibited so many basic personality disorders over the last six months, without a doubt, all the insults, all of the hatred, all of the fear-mongering, all of the lying. This guy lies every day in his claims. doesn't matter what area of public policy you pick. It's not the untrustworthiness of Hillary Clinton that should be the issue. It's Donald Trump's untrustworthiness. He's not telling it like it is, as he repeatedly asserted in the primaries and why voters claimed they were going to vote for him and that he was going to blow up the system because it needs change, and it certainly does need change. 
But the American system needs change that evolves, and change may emerge from this election as a result of the dilemma that the Republican Party finds itself in. When the tapes came out a couple of weeks ago, there were a bunch of rats jumping off the ship for a couple of days, and then a couple of them got back on the ship because they realized that three-quarters of the Republican Party's base did not want to see Trump replaced. And then there was silence. Only Judy, uh, only Rudy Giuliani seemed to be out there defending Donald Trump other than his uh, campaign uh, apparatchiks. Uh, very few elected officials would want to even be seen on stage with Trump. They say, oh, we will vote for him but not endorse him. Kind of confused by that uh, distinction. And uh, I think that uh, it will be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks Barack Obama, whose legacy is on the line, Michelle Obama, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Bill Clinton, Joe Biden. These are the surrogates that are going to be supporting Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail. Who's Donald Trump going to have? Well, I don't know if he can find a scary clown somewhere, but that's about the only person that's going to appear on stage with Donald Trump. He might make Donald Trump more palatable. But Donald Trump is not likable. No, he's detestable, for sure. We would like to thank Andrew for engineering this evening. Uh, and uh, we're going to have a new engineer in the future, apparently. Do stay tuned. Uh, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN FM and Arbor. Train going north. Noah Lewis in the background doing the Chicksaw Special. Telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues, performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. This particular track found on a Yazoo collection called Harmonica Masters, various recordings done in the 20s and 30s. Noah Lewis, also most well-known for his instrumental Devil in the Woodpile, which has become a folk favorite of uh, many harmonica players. And I think there is even a band that named itself after that song. Anyway, we have a nice, calm, but very autumny evening here in Ann Arbor. Clear skies, sun's just going down, and the temperatures are dropping refreshing and we hope you can find some entertainment here at 88.3 FM starting off with some historical blues Monday evening welcome on board as the Chicksaw Special heads north <laughs> 